0: This is Unfilter, episode 213, for Wednesday, November 16th,
1: 2016. Donald Trump will never be elected president of the United States. Now Donald Trump is not going to become president of the United States. Like it's a zombie, right? Like it's a walking dead. It's not, there's nowhere for him to go. When the inevitable happens, which is a very substantial landslide victory on November 8th. To me, this race is over.
2: Politico's latest survey of political insiders agrees, quote, Clinton will crush Trump in November. At real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president.
0: On a cold and rainy evening in the Pacific Northwest, welcome back again to this episode of Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you should be watching in the first show post-election. Now, this election was so intense for Chris that he had to run away to California, fitting for 213, because 213 is the area code for Los Angeles. And sitting in for Chris today, our good friend of the network, and you do like... Some Linux show on Sundays, I guess.
3: Mr. Noah, hey Noah, happy to be here. Hey, I, uh, buddy. I I I it almost killed me the last week uh, of 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 uh, of going around and 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 being sick. I got sick from my kids, and so this week I am powering on through. Yes, to, to, wait, to wait, be, wait, wait. Is that a, that was a Hillary term? You just it. You it just you're, you're powering it through. I nice am. job. Yes. I am, and uh, and like the rest of America, I woke up to John Donald J. Trump as president of. The United States Some people didn't have to
0: wake up It it, it happened that that evening I mean a lot of people saw it Uh, uh, First off I don't know if you pay attention to the comments on YouTube or, or Facebook. A lot of people didn't realize that you're, you're very opinionated towards
3: the Trump side of things. No. Yeah. I didn't see it. What did they say?
0: Well, they're just like, Oh my God, I can't believe Noah's such a, a Trump supporter. And do you consider yourself a, a supporter of Trump or you're just more uh, a supporter of the, the ideal of, of what he's trying to do?
3: No. Yeah. I'm, so I'm a constitutional conservative. I voting this election, I was voting anyone, but Hillary, uh, I would have been, you know, in hindsight, after you know having the conversation with you and uh, and Mike, I probably should have voted Johnson just to get to five percent, so that he would be on, uh, you know, on the on the next ballot. Right. In in hindsight, being twenty twenty, that would have been the smart thing for me to do.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, But yeah, I was I was voting anyone but Hillary. Uh, Yeah. You know, really, what it comes down to is, you know, as as a constitutional conservative, I, I, I you can get me in a one in a one issue thing, and that's guns. Guns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I am. I'm stepping in for the great hairmaster fish. Uh, he's on his way back from California. He's doing some non Linux thing. Oh, Really, I know it's very strange. It's very weird for him. And so he's. As I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not sure. What, what, I'm not exactly sure what that's all about. But he's on his way back into town. And uh, and so we're going di- to deep dive exactly into what happened last week. We're going to try to answer the question, uh, which is on a lot of Americans' mind, which is how did a man. That some say didn't even want the position up until October of 2015. He himself admitted that he didn't take his well, own campaign seriously. Well,
0: there, there's some speculation that people thought, well, he just wants to see if he can win or right. if he does win or if he gets the nomination, he'll bow out or whatever. Or he just or just wanted really the publicity. Want. Right. Exactly. Right. Because he wanted to start his own network. Exactly. Trump TV. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right.
3: Right. So. So how did that man knock a woman who has been preparing for this for the better part of 40 plus years? Yeah. Out of an election and 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 how did he totally how did he totally nail her and so we're going to follow up with that plus some of the riots plus what's been happening uh Trump protests elections but before we get into all of that right i want to break it down and and talk about something uh very basic from the constitution and that is that i have seen on facebook social media twitter google plus a lot of people talking about how hillary won the popular vote Oh, are we, are we going to talk about the Electoral College? Hillary, Hillary won the popular vote, you know. And so uh, we, you know, all we really need to say about the Electoral College is we are not a democracy. No. We've never been a democracy. No, no, no. Go, it, re- go read that old document that's, that's right, sitting in the the, yeah, the yeah. Constitution. Yeah, And this, this idea, you know, the thing is, the Electoral College is in place for a very good reason. And and I thought we'd just take a moment to, to talk about that for a minute. You know, if you were running a presidential campaign based on the popular vote, it would be a very different track than you do for the Electoral College. Oh, right? yeah.
0: No, I mean, uh, first off, I would I'd focus my campaign on the populist centers, you know, so I'd go to California. I would go to New York. Mm-hmm. I'd go to Philly.
3: Mm-hmm. I,
0: I would go to those places where I know I'm going to get the most bang for my buck. Right. I wouldn't even pay attention
3: to Cheyenne, Wyoming.
0: Right. Or, you know, I wouldn't t- pay attention to a small town. I mean, why right. would you? No, you
3: wouldn't. And, and the problem is when you do that is you get this you get this leash wagging or the dog wagging the leash effect of, you know, uh, New York, New Jersey, California, Florida and Texas deciding the election for the presidential election for the entire United States. And so their interests, their industries, their way of life is represented and places like North Dakota. South Dakota, like you said, Wyoming. Right. Totally irrelevant. Right. The, the only
0: problem with the inverse of that is they would say, OK, well, there's about eight to 10 states right now mm-hmm. that pretty much decide the election anyway. I mean, sure. you look at Pennsylvania. They always say, if you don't win Ohio, you're not going to win the election. Mm-hmm. Florida tends to come up, you know, every, mm-hmm. you know, 10. California, yeah, 52 ex-
3: electoral right. I
0: mean, well, what I'm saying is like the states that always kind of seem to steer the election, sure. they always go through these same 10 to 12 states. Sure. What's the difference between those ten or twelve states crafting the election as mm-hmm. opposed to the big populist centers?
3: Yeah, I, I think basically, I would I would argue that it's it's it would just be an order of magnitude larger if we were going strictly off the popular vote. Right. Um, it, North Dakota has some say in the election, even if it's not terribly meaningful. Right. You know, we have you know whatever three, four electoral votes, um, but uh, we'll start with this clip from Carl Rove talking about the change on the Electoral College. Isn't, Isn't what we Carl your good buddy, by the way? <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you what, I'll give him this. I think that Carl Rove is one of the most respected voices in politics, and I think he's been doing it for so long that his insights uh, are very refined and very polished. Right. I'll give him that. Well, we'll see what
1: he's got the side thing. of, though, is that if you had a race based on uh, who had the most votes, period, they'd be running a different race. So there's no way to say... That this is the, the result you would get in a popular vote race. Carl Rowe, former deputy chief of staff, great historian of all things politics, as well, uh, with us right now. Carl, um, I mean, Donald Trump does raise a good point that if he wanted to target and run the kind of race that would have garnered the most votes, then sort of you sit in the most populous areas and you 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 run with it, don't you? Yeah. Uh, first of all, there uh, he's the fifth American president. Uh, John Q. Adams in 1824 is the first he was missing from that list. But yeah, look, if this were a two, there'd be two results if this were a popular vote uh, majority uh, country. Uh, it, 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 we'd no longer, we wouldn't be in Iowa. People would be campaigning in the big, Republicans would go to Tarrant County, Texas, Fort Worth and uh and the suburbs of Houston and Orange County, California, Democrats would go to San Francisco and New York and a big part of the country would be overlooked. But here's an even more pernicious problem. We would then have a multiplicity of parties because uh, if it's first if it's if it's uh the popular vote, we've had 14 presidents who've been elected with a plurality of the vote, that is to say they didn't get 50%. If we were to go to Popular vote only. How long would it be that we before we'd have runoffs? I mean, Bill Clinton was elected twice, never got 50 percent of the vote. Woodrow Wilson elected twice, never got 50 percent of the vote. Abraham Lincoln got elected with 40 some odd percent of the vote. Less than Michael Dukakis got in being defeated in in 1988. So the two party system, which has given the American democracy a stability and a continuity that makes us the longest living democracy in the world, would be sorely undermined by a move away from the Electoral College. I don't know that that's... I'm not saying the electoral college is perfect, no
0: but no I, I think you know obviously the, the electoral college lends itself to a two party system, and I agree with Carl on that mm-hmm. uh, the, the The one thing that you would definitely have to change I mean there's so many dynamics involved. I mean first off when you're when you're looking at a uh, a system like we have here in the states uh, it the electoral college was set up in a way to give representation to all fifty states right uh in a way you know, based on population and, you know, the math of the senators plus, you know, representatives and things yep. like that. But the other thing you got to look at is, all right, let's say, let's take this current election as an example. Mm. You have uh, Clinton and you have Trump and they're separated by, I think, what, 700,000 votes, right? It's, right? it's pretty close right now. They're saying close <laughs> maybe to a million by the time it's all you know mm. added up. Why is it that, okay, we, we're talking about this now sure. because of a close election and yeah. Clinton's going to get all the popular vote. What do you do about recounts? Yeah. What, I mean, okay, fine. You're like, That's good all right, it's too close to call uh, or we want to do a recount. We're within 1%. Where do you start? Yeah, <laughs> You know, I uh, mean, the only reason why she is going to get that is because of California. Right. It's California solely mm-hmm. uh, because o- an overwhelming numbers are voting for her there. So is that really fair to say, well... California is going to decide the election or right. anything. I mean, and why is it? And then the second point, why is it that we're even talking about this? That's yeah. that because of the situation. I mean, this has happened five times before. Right. We seem to talk about it every single time. There's no way in hell. I'm sorry. There's just no way we're going to get a constitutional amendment passed because right. it's got to pass 37 states. Yeah. yeah. You, need, you need two
3: thirds of the House, two thirds of the Senate and three quarters right. of the states. Right. Right. You think, and and, and, you, and just be, to be clear, you would be asking the people that are in power to vote themselves out of power. Right, right. It's well, just, it's
0: like saying that, you know, putting term limits on themselves, right, you know, like right. you know, Trump says, yeah, I want to put term limits on on these guys. That's one of the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. And one of the promises you put out to the American people. Right. That's not going to happen because they would have to vote on it themselves. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They'd be be limiting power on themselves. Yeah. No. But you're right. Why? Why is it that we're having these discussions? Why is it that Hillary supporters keep talking about how she won the uh, popular vote as if it's supposed to mean something?
2: I, so this I is Hillary can't talking here. I can to express how deeply grateful I am to each and every one of you and this amazing team that everybody was a part of. Whether you were full time in Brooklyn, full time out in the country, whether you were almost a full time volunteer and supporter, as so many of you were, uh, I'm so proud of this campaign and feel so uh, inspired by it and empowered by everything that. It stood for in everything we did. As Tim Kaine said in introducing uh, me, we won the popular vote. We have a lot
3: of people. Oh, yeah. Everyone clap. So, Everyone's happy. You know, everyone everyone freaks out at the fact that she won the popular vote.
0: Well, they're using it as a, as a badge of honor, right? right? Saying, you know, hey, you know, we got more people voting for us. But you also got to look at where those votes are coming from. You know, they're coming from heavily Democratic, populist states and places. Right. Uh, you know... I wouldn't do a bragging about that. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, of course, you're going to get the vote in the places that you expected. Right. What you're what you're really gunning for is getting the vote in places that you don't expect, because mm. that means you've convinced people to change. I mean, oh,
3: and you have you have you have places like Virginia. We have the governor who pardoned a bunch of felons to go out and vote now. Who do you think they're voting for? Right. You know, yeah. and so and, and, and the same thing is true if you offer amnesty to people that are, are undocumented. Who are they going to vote for? So when and so to come out and say, yeah, we, we you know, we won the popular vote. I, I just I'm un, I don't understand why people keep protesting as if somehow that matters. And I just I, and I don't understand why people keep pushing it as if it matters. I, I think it's because of,
0: of the fact that there's a, you know, for me, I mean. You know, I try to consider myself middle of the road. I I consider myself a fiscal conservative and and liberal with ideas. You know, it's kind of weird like that. Sure. But you got all these people that are are really pissed off right now. Mm -hmm. A a lot of liberals that are are just shocked by the result And, and, you know, a lot of them, are millennials, I hate using labels, but a lot of millennials, you know, this is the first time in probably their adult political careers that they're going to have a Republican president, especially mm. one that is very polarized. It's the
3: first time in their adult political careers they're going to have a white president. Right. You know, if you think about it. <laughs> That's true.
0: A non-minority, right. So, you know, obviously they're looking at everything to to try to pin pin something on. And the way I see it is, if you want to make a change to like the Electoral College, you don't bring it up after you've had a negative result, right? Because then people aren't going to take you seriously. They're yeah. going to think, "Oh, you have- well, you're just pissed off that your candidate didn't win." You
3: have a conflict of interest,
0: sure, right? Right. You know, and you know, they, everyone comes up with their various reasons why they should get rid of the electoral college. So That's not a fair vote. Why we? Why do we do it this way? I think honestly, our founders had something going on with the fact that you know they wanted to try to make sure. That it wasn't just up to the most populous areas. Right. Now, granted, this was back before there was a thought of media and the Internet yeah. and social media.
3: You know. No, but you're right. What it comes down to is everything in government that the founders set up has a check and balance on itself. Right. Up to and including democracy itself. Right. And the check and balance on democracy is that you don't get a direct say that we – elect people to elect people, right? That's just the way we, we do elect
0: it. to electors. Right.
3: Yeah. Now, I, I want to get your I want to get your take on this. Right. In 2008, Hillary Clinton was supposed to win the presidential. Nom- she was supposed to win the Democratic nomination, and then she was supposed to win the presidency. Are,
0: are you talking about the official script? I'm <laughs> talking about the official DNC <laughs> right. script. You're
3: right, right. And then somehow a you know, this 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 total this guy out of absolutely nowhere, this nobody comes up and snatches her. Yeah. It, you know, just knocks her totally out of the rates and snatches her position, which she was supposed to have. Right. And if you look, everything that she did after 2008 was set up and designed to facilitate a win in 2016. And, you know, it, I found it rather disingenuous when Obama went out talking about, you know, how we needed to be ready to accept the first woman president. If that were true, why did you knock her out of the, the race in 2008? They had fireworks chase planned for nine thirty. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you. I think you brought that up last that's week. Yeah, thirty it's minutes. Yeah. That's thirty minutes after the the, the East Post closed. Uh, the East Post polls closed. Right. Say that ten times fast. Right. You know the interest uh, of the center of the country is going to be uh, is going to be different uh, than the coast. And I I want to play this clip about. Uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, her establishment.
4: Trump's rival Hillary Clinton was among the many blindsided by his victory. Backed by almost the entire mainstream media, Hillary Clinton appeared to think she had the presidency in her pocket. Ilya Petrenka and RT America host Ed Schultz now looking into, uh, well, who could be blamed for the loss of the establishment's golden girl? In the world of Hillary Clinton, it was decided long before November 8th Who's going to get the White House after Barack Obama? And I tell you what, her world is huge. Did you see many or (laughs) any pre-election polls that favored Donald Trump? Month after month, essentially, all the media said was Hillary's winning. And even the day before the vote, the editors of Newsweek were still inhabiting planet Clinton with this... Madam President cover, which they had to recall when reality struck. Some 125,000 copies, no less. The creators of South Park were also living in Clintonland. Their pre-recorded post-election episode also had her win it. They had to rush and change it to this.
1: The world is in a bit of a shock. Uh, is this, we're sure this is for real, right? What have you done?! <laughs>
4: and then at the center of the clinton verse was hillary herself who never even for a moment stopped to consider the possibility that non-clinton worlds existed they had everything ready for a huge party including loaded fireworks machines
3: so i you know it 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 boggles my mind that they could get this far in and it is almost as if it was her turn It was her turn to be president. It was. And, you know, this this mentality of, well, it's Paul Ryan's turn to be speaker of the house. Well, it's you know, and before him, it was John Boehner's turn to be speaker of the house. and, And now it's Hillary Clinton's turn to be president. This this idea from these establishment politicians that we are going to decide for the American people what is going to happen. And, you know, if you think about it, you had people calling the polls before they before the election even opened, you had people saying she's going to win. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Florida's in the bag, or, or or whatever. California's in the bag. How do we know? They, people haven't even voted yet.
0: Well, I, I think you you can in certain instances where you're looking at a California, mm-hmm. you're looking really the West Coast, if right, you will, right? But you're looking at certain areas and certain populations. You can kind of gauge that. I, I think where where they kinda went astray is is looking at the, the states that were genuinely toss-ups, you know, that mm-hmm. were were close, you know, like a Florida, like a Michigan, you know, Pennsylvania, these these states where, you know, it seemed like they were polling, if not daily, weekly, you know, it was just crazy in how much they were doing that. Mm-hmm. I I think there's there's multifacets here to to why, you know, everybody thought it was in the bag for Hillary. Obviously there were polls, but there's some factors that play. First off, you know, a lot of people that are not reachable on cell phones anymore for polls. I don't know if they're using still using uh, landlines for for based to polls. Right. Um, I know I got one survey from Gallup that they actually called me and, and asked me questions, and uh, they didn't even have the third party on, on the on the survey. That's a whole side thing. But anyway, uh, but you got the that mm-hmm. you got the polls, and then you got the mainstream media, which. For the most part, is liberal. Mm-hmm. I, I know that there's you know conservative parts like Fox News, for example, yeah. Breitbart and, News, you know, and Breitbart and all that, and these other other third out, third party outlets. But they obviously had their agenda, right? So everybody had their agenda, and then what happens is you just start putting blinders on, and and I think what happened is they put on these blinders, thinking, oh, we got this in the bag. Everybody's telling us we have it in the bag. We're good to go. But obviously, I think a whole bunch of people, and I and I talked about this last week you know, they, they feel like they're left out. They feel like, you know, their jobs are at risk. You know, you, you got the guys that work in the factories in the Midwest and, you know, and they see their jobs going overseas and they feel that, you know, an insider like Hillary, you know, they'll take, they'll take anybody they'll take a guy that said some of the most foul disgusting things yep. they'll take a guy that has admitted to some doing some terrible things a guy that has not released his his tax records right. first presidential guy in 40 years mm-hmm. to do that they'll take anybody because they feel like the establishment they feel like right. the chosen ones they gave obama a chance i think you know they gave him 8 mm-hmm. years and they saw you know what it didn't work I, I I still ended up you know losing my job and 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 you know people take votes for granted and they
3: really shouldn't they should actually still work for them and listen you know let's let's talk about what you touched on on the media the media is supposed to report the news they're not supposed to put a spin on the news you know you have nighttime talk shows like Hannity right and those are you know they're different they're, they're you know that's 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 a point of view show right. but when you are doing an anchored position you are supposed to sit there and you're supposed to report on the news and yet we saw. The media all over the place, making it socially illegal to vote for Donald Trump as a Donald as a person who voted for Donald Trump. There was no way I was going to be vocal about vo- voting for Donald Trump. Well, right. well, because if the moment that you're vocal, people are going to
0: label you as a racist. Right. Or a misogynist, you know. Right. You know, those those kind of things. And it's not fair to you. And, and I and it's not fair to anybody who voted for Trump mm-hmm. to who isn't a racist you know right. and that's the thing though i there's there's some extremists and i think there's extremists on both ends there's mm-hmm. extremists that Vote for uh, vote for Hillary because they're a woman and sh- they're going to vote for her because she's the first woman right. president. There's going to be people that vote for her just because she's a Democrat. Exactly. No matter what. Exactly. You know, so I, I think there's extremes on both ends. But to go out and attack people and say that, you know, Noah, you're racist. I can't believe right. that you're, you know, it's like people need it, to kind of think.
3: And, and uh, you know, one of the things I heard, Chase, was people would say, we – By by, you know, because I brought this up to to a friend of mine who has given me a real hard time, you know, for my views on Donald Trump. And and she said, I'm not what the news media is doing is not they're not trying to suppress Donald Trump. They are trying to protect democracy because Donald Trump stands against democracy. And so we need to protect democracy. So in this weird, twisted way, they've convinced themselves and others that by. By by making it so socially unacceptable to vote or support a given candidate, that is in fact protecting democracy, which is which is kind of a, a silly thing. But if you look at what the news media did, the, the 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 length and extremes that they went to to support one candidate over the other, here's a clip from the New York Times and their title and their headline a day after the election.
1: The year when we traveled and actually talked to people supporting Trump. I, I, you said a lot of things I want to respond to. I just want to say one thing. I love the New York Times. I think it's a great institution. I need to say this. Yeah. Point of personal privilege. I love the New York Times. And I read it yeah. every day. I've said this time and time again. I have the greatest respect for the reporters over there. I don't know what I'd do. And I know a lot of conservatives are going to. I don't know what I would do without the New yeah. York Times. I, it's how I gaze. It's not just the New I, York I, Times. I agree, but, but. I love but the Washington. But plus plus, plus. But no, but look, look, look at the headline. Look at the headline of this look story. Look at the headline. Look I, at the headline of this story. This is the day after
3: Democrats, a hey. a students, and foreign allies face the victory. reality of a and Trump
1: presidency disaffected Americans have a champion going to the white house or or the country votes for cha- fundamental change the headlines about how disappointed the friends who of the people who run the new york times are about what's happened
3: that is that is that is such a shame that a, a news organization as big as the new york times there is no possible way you can look at that headline and say Well, they're right. They were just reporting the news. They were just reporting what happened. They didn't have. And they couldn't just been simple and said Trump wins. Exactly. (laughs) exactly. Donald Trump wins the presidency. Like, you know, and the thing is, and I think that's a big difference between me and a lot of other voters on either side is I don't become emotionally invested in these elections. Right. Like I, I have I have. I have uh, logic and I have thoughts and I have opinions, but I was not out bawling my eyes out when Obama won in two thousand eight, and I wasn't. You know, I didn't uh, pop a bottle of champagne or anything when uh, when Donald Trump won.
0: I mean, I I will say that you know when Obama was elected, I was I was proud to know that hey, we we've elected somebody that's not Caucasian. Sure, sure, <laughs> and, yeah, there is a feeling you know, there. Sure, yeah. So I mean, you know. I, the the media has has done a really good job in polarizing us Mm -hmm. and and maybe it's unintentional maybe it's intentional you know uh and that's one thing that's kind of been mulling over my head over this past week is, you know, the, these labels—Democrats, Republicans, conservative, liberal—all these different labels—been mulling around in my head, and it's driven a big wedge in us deeper than ever before. Sure. And you know, thanks to social media, we've been able to kind of put ourselves our in, a, in a bubble, you know. And, and I don't know if we have a clip about Facebook or not, you know, where you know they they've been getting they've been been pointed at as far as well look you know the way you filter the news and the algorithms that you're using mm-hmm. people are seeing fake news fake headlines right. that kind of feed into their their own personal narrative mm-hmm. and then what happens is they kind of get trapped in this thing like this is how it is this is how i think this is right. and and they don't think about any kind of dissenting view they don't have mm-hmm. any open mind about it and then what happens is when someone comes up and challenges that view even if it's a great idea, and yeah. you know what? Hey, let's try it. Let's do it. Instead of being open about it, they're like, "Oh, that's an opposing view. You're wrong."
3: Right. And I, you know, to that to that point too, and we don't have any clips that talk about it, but I did see that uh, trending that Facebook's actually going to stop uh, letting certain uh, you know fake news sources or uh, s- uh, satirical news sources right. come through. I. I, I make it a I make it a point. I have never when I've gotten into a, a you know, a, a Facebook debate or a Facebook discussion about politics, yeah. never deleted anyone else's comments. And the reason for that is I don't need to suppress somebody else's voice or somebody else's discussion to just make my own point.
0: Just because it's a disagreeing
3: right. point. Right. One of two things yeah. happen. Intelligent human beings do one of two things when they're when they're presented with a, a view alternative to their own. They either accept that the alternative view is is Found in more reason and logic, and then they change their view, right. or they 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 realize that they become further, uh, you know, the further realization that their worldview was correct, and here are the reasons why, and then you move forward. But at note, if if you have to say I don't want to hear that part of the information, I don't want to understand that part in order to make your view. Or they conveniently deflect that part. Right. And, and they go and they just ignore it
0: in, in their response to you. Like they'll, they'll hyper focus in on one specific thing. Exactly. And they'll blow that up. And, and then you're like, yeah, you're right about that. And they'll go, see, I'm right about the whole point. You know, it's you know, like, come on. And
3: one of the things I saw in this election, too, was source reporting, right, where one person comes out and says Donald Trump did not reject the KKK. And then another news story picks up and says, well, it was reported from, you know, ABC or whatever that Donald Trump didn't reject the KK. And then somebody else picks it up and says, well, the Wall Street Journal reported." And then by the time you get to the end, you're 30 layers deep in the source reporting where everyone's using the source before them. But nobody's actually ever done any in individual research to verify. I think that's how you wind up with a large Uh, The the entire news media saying something that's totally wrong. So when you stand
1: and deliver that State of the Union address in no part of your mind or brain, can you imagine Donald Trump standing up one day and delivering a State of the Union address?
4: Well, I can imagine it uh, in a Saturday night skit. I continue to believe Mr. Trump
1: will not be president.
2: He will never be president of the United States.
1: Donald Trump will never be elected president of the United States.
2: Now, Donald
1: Trump is not going to become president of the United States.
2: Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. However respectful of the fact that the people have not voted... He's not going to be president. You,
3: you get that, Chase? You know, uh, never sure. mind that the people haven't voted yet. Well, well, but well, we've decided. Well, well, well,
0: first off, you know, Democrats, you know, of course, they're going to champion their candidate. And they're going to say, hey, you know, we believe that Hillary is going to win. And so, of course, you're going to say they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing, I, as you may know about me or may not, I'm a huge sports guy. Mm-hmm. I'm a big baseball guy, especially and even football too. go Hawks. You don't go in and say, you know what, we are going to win. We are going to win. You know, if if it's a good player, you know, they're, they're going to say, you know, hey, we got a we got a big game coming up against uh, New England. You know, mm-hmm. hey, Tom Brady's a great quarterback. You know, it's going to be a good big challenge for us. Instead of you know being that way, they're just like, you know, he will not be president. He will not be. We're right. going to reassure you. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then what happens is. He became president, right? And and now you have all these people that are pissed off, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and then they feel like they got to act out, and then there's riots, and it's just, uh
3: yeah. They and and if you think about what a Donald Trump victory means, this is so. First, I want to stop and just say this: a lot of people were very disheartened by the rhetoric that came out from both the Clinton campaign and the Donald Trump campaign, and I just want to point out that immediately, immediately, when Donald Trump won. President Obama very gracefully accepted Donald Trump's uh, 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 you know election result yeah. and and congratulated him and was very cordial. Donald Trump gave a speech thanking Hillary Clinton for her service of the country.
0: Oh, all the speeches that night you right. know from from uh, Trump to Hillary to Obama exactly. all three I, I was just like this is what's supposed to be and it it almost reaffirmed to the fact that no matter how bad the political campaign Right. And this one was the worst in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, for sure. And hopefully I, there won't be another one this bad in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so bad. But at the end of the day, you know, after the election, it's always a big kind of a reset. Yeah. And obviously there then there's fallout and there's people making excuses about why the results went the mm-hmm. way they did. Mm-hmm. But I but I truly believe when it comes to the history of our of our country and, and how things have happened throughout the years, Obama gets it. Bush got it. Uh, William Jefferson Clinton got it. Bush, uh, the other Bush before that, just keep going back and back and back. Yeah, they understand the historical importance and really the what keeps the country together in a way. Why you need to have a a good smooth transition and and respect the results because if you don't, then you're putting really at jeopardy the the whole constitution and how our country is
3: about. Yeah. And as a parent, you know, a lot of people said, well, it's it's going to be very difficult to explain these campaigns to my children. I was I thought it was pretty easy to walk in front of my kids and say, look, the see that funny man and that funny woman acting like child children for the past couple weeks. Now, look, it's over. And now, look, they have grown back up and they're acting like adults again. So I just I give props to everyone involved. Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump, Obama. They did President Obama. They did a great job at just dropping the rhetoric immediately. I thought they did a fantastic job. Donald Trump is the first Well, not the first, but one of the first private citizens, maybe since George Washington, truly private citizens to run for office. That's not a career politician. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier about people wanted something different. And if you think about what he did, he beat 17 people in a presidential primary. That was the craziest. He he overcame (laughs) a party, his own, that rejected his own nomination after he won it fairly and squarely. And then he beat a woman who has been preparing for this for 40 years with a machine in place that she's been putting in place for 25 years and every possible advantage, media advantage, pop, uh, pop culture advantage. And she he still won. He he overcame all of that and still won. And and aside from the ability to say, I won and now I'm president, you know, he's not taking a pace. So he didn't do it for the money. He likes attention. So there's probably something to be said there. It's. It's hard to say, though, honestly, if we really know his motives.
0: I mean, yeah. And, yeah. and, and that's just because of how much t- how many times that we've seen during the election process and the campaign that we've caught him in lies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and straight up blatant lies. Sure. And so it makes me wonder, OK, what is his real intentions are? And, you know, I was talking to my wife about this is like, well, if his, if his intentions are true, then you know what? it could be a good thing it could be yeah
1: um
0: it, it's it's really hard to say i mean obviously we've been critical on this show of both trump and clinton and all their associates and everything mm. that's been going on but now we got trump for 4 years right. uh unless you know some stupid scandal comes up which you never know but but
3: yeah <laughs> the 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 thing that has i think taken over of the last week and really become a a center point is these what they're calling protests, I'm going to call them riots. If you, When you get to a point where you're starting things on fire. Right. You know, I mean, okay, yeah, there are peaceful protests. Yes, absolutely. That are yeah. Yeah. Uh, but in Portland, Oregon, for example, not a peaceful protest. That is it, that is a definition of a riot. You right. know, when you're flipping cars over and, and throwing Molotov cocktails through store windows and stuff, you can't call that a protest. Now, I'll be the first person to stand up and And defend somebody's right to protest, even if they're protesting something I agreed with in the first place. that is absolutely your constitutional right to protest. Everyone should have the opportunity to do that if they want to and 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 every one of us should stand up and support them
0: so let me let me ask you this question mm-hmm. i, I uh, I'm estimating a little bit on the numbers, but there's a there was a big protest that uh happened down in Portland, Oregon a mm-hmm. couple of nights ago there was It was destructive, it was violent mm-hmm. you know, there was I call it rioting sure. when you're involving destroying of property and that sort right. of thing. So about a hundred, I think hundred nine hundred nineteen people were arrested. Okay. The one of the local news stations down there decided, hey, we're going to see with these hundred nineteen people, how many of them voted. <laughs> <laughs> and of those one hundred nineteen people, uh, half of them were not registered to vote. Uh. Uh. <laughs> I, I think it was like twenty or thirty actually voted. Mm-hmm. Um. How do you feel about people who are protesting, mm-hmm. who are getting involved? I mean. And didn't vote because one of the things that I, – and I looked at the numbers from this election, the previous election, and mm-hmm. even the one before that, voting numbers are down. I yeah. mean nearly 45 percent of our population didn't vote. Right, They're not even registered to vote. Yeah. So how do you feel about the people who are rioting, who are being destructive? And that are complaining, saying, you know, Trump is not my president and didn't even vote. Right.
3: Those people are idiots. I mean, <laughs> I, there's no real two ways to say that. But if you didn't get out and vote and now you're upset about the results of an election that you didn't participate in, you're right. an idiot. That said, I would still stand up for that person's right to protest because right. it's still their constitutional right. right. But my my line is do it peacefully. Do it peacefully. These riots in, uh, and I'm, I'm just, I'm using Oregon because that's where the clip is, but these riots in Oregon are just, this is ridiculous.
2: Free yeah. protests erupt across the United States for the second night in a row, thousands of people pouring into the streets. President, not my president, not my president, not my president, not my president signing a bitter presidential election, often tainted with racial overtones and outrage, voicing concerns about the future of civil rights in Trump's America. And our president-elect tweeting this, quote, just had a very open and successful presidential election. Now professional protesters incited by the media are protesting. Very unfair. And then just a couple of hours ago this morning, uh, Mr. Trump tweeted this. <laughs> quote, yeah. love the it's fact one that the his small group of on protesters about last this. night have passion for our great country. We will all come together and be proud. Now most of last night's rallies were angry but peaceful. But in Portland, Oregon, tensions exploded.
0: And what they're, what they're saying that happened in Portland, by the way, is it was a peaceful protest, mm-hmm. and then they're saying anarchist groups uh, invaded the protest sure. and made them violent. I Maybe you can explain this question to me. Maybe this is a question that we can throw out to the audience and they can uh, answer on our uh, Reddit page. Okay, your candidate didn't win. Say you're a Democrat. Say you're upset. You're a millennial. Your candidate didn't win. You're out there protesting in the streets, right? Mm-hmm you're talking about, you know, inclusiveness and bringing everybody together, but it feels like, well wait a minute, you're you're kind of just lost the election, okay? Why don't we see what happens and then protest, right? Yeah. If the if the president uh, elect decides, okay, we want to shut down Planned Parenthood. Okay, I could see a reason for for uh, you know marching in the streets, mm-hmm. you know, if you believe in that. Oh, uh, you know what? He's taking away our guns. I know that's not going to happen, but you know, people come together, you know, uh, Republicans or whatever. It's one of those things. I don't understand why people are protesting the result when. A, half of them probably didn't even vote. And then B, it just makes them feel a little hypocritical. And no,
3: nothing actionable has happened yet. Right.
0: It's like, what do you what do you feel like these protests are going to do? Yeah. And that's one thing that like they're upset. I get that. So if, the, if you're upset, why don't you engage in
3: it in a constructive manner? Right. Yeah. And in the you know, the the, uh, the other thing to consider here is who is protesting and for what motives?
1: One of the groups involved in the anti Trump protests is called Move On. Its website calls for people to rally against the president elect. It apparently has ties to billionaire investor and Clinton supporter George Soros, too. That's, oh. in fact, according to emails, if you look back to 2008, released by WikiLeaks from Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, to George Soros. In fact, they gave tips on how to steer American voters. For example, financing groups operating at campaign rallies. Move On was among them. Here's Garnettichikan.
4: Outraged by Donald Trump's victory in the presidential election, tens of thousands of people have taken to the streets across the U.S. to protest. Many demonstrators are refusing to accept Trump's victory. It looks like advocacy groups played a hand in organizing the seemingly spontaneous protests among them an organization called MoveOn, which is funded by George Soros, a Hillary Clinton supporter and billionaire. The day after Trump was elected, the group sent out a press release, saying, Within two hours of the call to action, MoveOn members had created more than 200 gatherings nationwide, with the number continuing to grow on Wednesday afternoon. The presidential campaign showed there is no love lost between Donald Trump and George Soros, who was one of Hillary Clinton's top donors?
3: So th- uh, this is this is one of those things where we go back and say, why are these protesters protesting? What are they protesting? Well, it would appear, Chase, that there are some outside interests that are that are spurring some of these that they're, protests.
0: They're stoking. Uh, I'm sorry, stoking the fire. Right. Yes. yes. And obviously, they're, they're they're tapping into that emotion right now. Where a lot of people, like we said at the top of the show. They don't know anything else other than a Democratic president or a Democratic governor or anything Democratic. Period. Mm-hmm. And now they have a Republican president and a Republican Congress. And you know, that's where obviously these organizations like Move On they they want to make sure they continue their cause. And you know what? I understand that's their their motive, right? They want to you know charge the base, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they they want to use any kind of major negative or positive event. This is a negative event uh, in their eyes to charge the base and make sure that people are out there and are getting their message across. And, and that's where do people really understand what's going on here? And, you know, in talking to the kids on the streets are saying, you know, I'm, I'm out here. Supporting, uh, I uh you know, because, you know, I don't want to see Trump the president. Well, he's your president now or he's yeah. your president-elect right Whether now. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, exactly. And so either you choose to actually get involved and, and make a difference at the local level and and then, and you know, infect that change going higher or not.
3: So one of the things and we're going to dig into this uh, a little bit more later, but the news media never has it ever been more valuable to have independent news sources. Um And. One of those new independent news sources is, of course, Jupiter Broadcasting. Now, everyone is probably aware that we don't have traditional sponsors on this show.
0: We have only the sponsors of the patrons who support us at Patreon.com/slash/unfilter. You know, Chris likes to, to tell you guys that you know, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be here, and that is absolute truth. And mm. we, you know, we want to say a big thank you to all 524 of you. Who support us and I know a lot of you guys loved our coverage from last week unfortunately I think it was Fox and maybe NBC who didn't because they, they, yeah. put, the, they put the block on YouTube right away and uh, it's one of those things where thanks to you guys we've been able to do the show now for over four years mm-hmm. and I and I remember doing the election at Chris's house four years ago and obviously it was an automatic thing oh Obama's going to win this you know yeah. no big deal uh, but this is one of those t- important times where we're not getting uh, influenced by Move On or any right side organization. It's all coming from you guys. Right. And, you know, big props to producer Matt as well for, for gathering the clips and props to you for being here, by the way, yeah, under, under, under your current condition. But, you know, thanks to you guys who support us on Nonfilter. You know what? We're able to do this show. And, I I don't know if you ha- do you have the soundboard all, all
3: all all wired up over there. The soundboard is working. You'd have to tell me what to play. I do want to give a, a quick, oh yeah go ahead. a quick mention to Nicholas B, Mike M, Takuni, and John H, who are your newest. All they joined up since last Patreon week. supporters. Yes, that is awesome. All right. So this is what you call doing it. Effort. Uh, do it live. Uh, so there there should be
0: an awesome awesome bumper there. Uh, that. Uh, Chris plays for me when I go to my mail sack. Is, I see. Do, do you have that button over there? Well,
3: I'm sure I do. I don't know what it's called, though. I don't know what he called it
0: either. <laughs> uh, well, if you don't find it, that's, that's, that's totally cool. We can, we can do the Fox News Alert. Well, that's fine. We can do that. Fox News Alert, time so to go to my sack.
1: Yes!
0: Time <laughs> so to go to Chase's sack. This week, uh, by the way, a big reminder. If you are part of Club 33 and you want to send a note into the show, we go through the mail MailSec every single week for you, Club 33 or so. I post to the Unfiltered Patreon page. You reply to that. Now, by the way, uh, Patreon made a change a little bit to how things post, so hopefully things come across all right. I know one of our big Club 33ers, Veratunda, was trying to post comments earlier today, and it just wouldn't let him. And and, and basically, I think it was because um, he had a lot of links oh, <laughs> in, okay. in his thing. So I don't know if, if uh, it got flagged as spam or it was too long. Uh, but basically, here's what he had to say. He says, hey, I started this week by saying to friends who kept saying, oh, no, how did that happen? I see you uh, brought in uh, bought into the mainstream media hand, uh, ringing, asking, why Trump? Forgetting that they did not report on how toxic Hillary was between the DNC leaks showing Sanders was railroaded out of the candidacy. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. That's right. That Hillary regularly removed classifications from confidential communications, even getting her maid to print out faxes for her, how the DNC organized violence at Trump rallies, and finally, thanks to the Podesta emails leak, we finally get to see how the Clinton Foundation pay-to-play works. So, no... Don't fall into the trap of politicians here. Uh, here could not suck it up and congratulate Trump uh, in Parliament. In Parliament, <laughs> he means in Congress. Uh, they did talk about him specifically. Uh, I'm sorry, it, it's a little hard to read here, but basically, you know, he he goes on to say, you know, the truth will out there. will get out there hopefully, and you know, he's absolutely right when it when it comes to. All these things, the the Podesta emails, and all these other angles that the mainstream media wasn't covering, and and I think it comes back to this whole big insider club where, you know, it's all about access, it's all about the ratings, it's all about the numbers, and when you when you have, uh, you know, a family like the Clinton family, where you know you have Bill who's been president, and you got Hillary who's had all these roles, and you got this cash cow, you, you don't want to disrupt that. I can get that. I can understand that, but it doesn't pay a service to the American people. And, and the truth—that's why this show, getting that truth out there, where we talk about the emails, we 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 bring in sources like RT, Fox News, you know, Alex Jones. We bring in all these things. Some people hate some of the sources we bring in, but we bring them all. We don't try to discriminate. Just so you guys get a full picture. And I want to say again, thanks to all you guys who support us at Patreon.com/slash
3: unfilter. I want to jump in, uh, you know, back to what you were talking about regarding how the DNC rigged the election for uh, Hillary Clinton. So, first of all... Are you talking about the primary? The primary, yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. okay. So... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they didn't yeah. rig the election. They kind of lost that they, one. They, It didn't work out very yeah, well. right. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about that. Would Bernie Sanders have been a better choice? My question to you is, or, well, really, my argument to you would be, it's very difficult to compete with free ice cream. So when you have a guy out there saying... I'm going to give you free college and I'm going to give you free school and I'm going to give you free housing and a free car and a free cell phone and free cable TV. Right. That's a very difficult campaign to to compete with. Right. And I think I think that we you know, you had a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters that were uh, enthusiastic about supporting Bernie Sanders. And I don't know that you had a, a lot, a large majority of people that were enthusiastic about supporting Hillary as much as they were enthusiastic about not letting Trump get the election. Right. The yeah. I mean,
0: I, I've heard a lot of people saying, and I think even Chris used the quote, you know, pinching the nose, you know, just going in and, and, and voting for Hillary because they didn't want Trump in. Right. And, you know, I go back and, and think, well, would Bernie would have won? I think he would have had a much stronger shot than Hillary did for sure. And, and it wasn't just because of the free stuff. Bernie was kind of perceived as that candidate who was be more extremely progressive, which mm. is true. Mm. Hillary tried he's a to democratic socialist right, and try to incorporate his ideas. but I think he also spoke to the middle mm. class a lot better mm. uh granted i don't know if you remember during the primary, you know Hillary tried to put out the the idea that oh, he's not as grassroots as you think you know he's got two homes you know or three different homes and all these things. But it's one of those things where a lot of people saw Bernie and said, you know, he was anti-Wall Street. You know, he he saw this big financial issue and Hillary wouldn't even release her Wall Street speeches. Right. Right. So I think he would have spoke to the middle class a lot better. He was able to kind of maybe more identify better. Yeah. Um, And actually, that's I mean, you look at the support that he got in in these big rallies and, you know, big stadium fills and stuff, even here in this area, even Mm. in this state where you had the superdelegates, the elites wanted to go uh, for Hillary,
3: but the people wanted Bernie. And to uh, he actually comments on that himself.
1: On the other hand, what you're looking at is a guy who utilized the media, manipulated the media very well. He is an entertainer. He is a professional at that. Uh, but I will tell you that I think there needs to be a for profound change in the way the Democratic Party does business. It is not good enough to have a liberal elite. I come from the white working class, and I am deeply humiliated that the Democratic Party cannot talk to the people from where I came from. Yeah.
3: You know, and that, that's uh, you know, that's exactly what you were saying is he believes, uh, you know, that there is there, there is a line and there is, uh, you know, a a demographic out there right. that, the, that the Democrats did not reach.
0: Right. And, you know, and a lot of people want to come down on Bernie saying, well, you know what, uh, when he lost and, you know, he got behind Hillary and supported her, you know, he was just playing into the establishment. He was just playing into the elites. I think one of the things that he's, and and there's uh, that whole interview. I actually watched that whole interview, and uh, one of the, the things they try to ask him about is, "So are you going to run in four years?" But he didn't come out and say no. He just didn't want to answer the question. I, I think, you know, he played into it and, and supported Hillary just because of the fact that that's what a team player does. right And, you know, he was running on uh, as a Democrat mm-hmm. and Hillary won. Now, at the time, did he know there was something going on behind the scenes uh, pushing him out? Maybe, maybe not. But he decided to to support her, right. be there for her yeah. and be there really for the Democratic Party because, he you know, he didn't want to see Trump get elected. That's right. what a team player does. When you, when you lose a primary. And
3: the Republicans actually could, could learn a lot from that. The Democrats would never, they would never turn their back on their own nominee. That would never happen. No,
0: no. And if Bernie, if, if there wasn't a scandal by the DNC uh, to to push Bernie oh, aside. Oh, there was. There <laughs> was a scandal. No, no, I know. I said if there wasn't, let's say if there yeah. wasn't, and Bernie won the primaries, uh, then Hillary, I bet, would have supported uh, Bernie. I, I I really do. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I think on both sides- Everybody com- comes around eventually, and even on the on on the on the right side, where you got you know Cruz saying I'll never support Trump, Brian, I'll never even say his name, and now yeah. they, they've all come around. You know, it, uh, it's too just, late though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, are they trying to save face?
3: The and uh, and we have statistical evidence to show that Bernie would have had a better chance at winning a 2016 presidency than Hillary.
1: Well, anti-Trump protests appear to have remained more consistent in their positions than some of the politicians. Some of the uh, slogans they have been chanting were also heard at anti-Trump rallies carried out by supporters of former Democratic hopeful Bernie Sanders. Polls do suggest that Bernie Sanders, in fact, could have done much better than Hillary Clinton against Trump in some of the states that were crucial to the outcome of the election. Caleb Mopin gauged feeling oh, in yeah. New York. So, I, I believe,
0: especially for Michigan, I mean, that's an auto, right. it's an auto state, you know. And yeah, I, and I think this is going to be something that the Democratic par, or I'm sorry, Democrat Party, mm. they're going to be looking at for a very long time inside and they're going like, this elite thing that Bernie brought up, you know, the superdelegates thing that, that, you know, that's that's an ultimate elite thing. And mm-hmm. it, essentially the superdelegates helped steer the primary towards Bernie. And we've we've saw that. But also the media fed into it, too, because they wanted Absolutely. Hillary. You know? Absolutely. And, and so it, it's a big picture we got to look at.
3: And, you know, the thing is about what the media was doing was they were selling this agent of change for Hillary and what she pushed herself, you know, she sold herself as an agent of change, but yet she wanted to continue on with the same policies of Obama, except, of course, you know, the no fly zone over Syria, which would have caused war with Russia. But other than that, you have you have Hillary Clinton trying to to be this agent of change. And then the Democrats, you know, tried to spin, you know, this uh, this discovery on
4: Politico this morning. OK, uh, here's the headline. Clinton aides blame loss and everything but themselves. Yeah, that's true. And, and Juan, you're starting to see, as you do at the end of every large, long campaign, is that the insiders turn on each other. And, and the point to be made in this piece is that um, there was a, a conference call yesterday afternoon headed up by John Podesta, and they pretty much blamed everybody except for their own strategy, perhaps, and also their own candidate. What do you make of that?
1: Well, so I heard about this conference call, and, you know, it, for the most part, it was pretty much, you know, we think we had a good campaign manager robbie Mook, uh, you know podesta said we had money we had resources and we think we had uh... you know certainly the
3: technology to go out there and find the voters but they really don't point
1: at the failure to go at working-class white rural voters um, and don't acknowledge that they didn't have a strong message i think mm-hmm. you know to this moment if you said to me what exactly was the message i could give you an answer but i don't feel it was the kind of message that equal Donald Trump's laser like focus
4: on you know make America great again by bringing back jobs yeah, and putting be- up-
0: The Democrats were ignoring one of the the polls I think uh, during almost the entire election and that right. was the the trust factor do you, do you do you do you believe or do you trust Hillary more or, or Trump right. and Hillary had a huge distrust number. I mean, it was like record numbers. Now right. I know Trump was up there too. Oh yeah. But Hillary's was, was worse. Mm. And it's like, they got to ask themselves, okay, instead of blaming, you know, Comey on, on the statements that he made about the email investigation, mm. maybe look at her and, you know, and, and her personal Why is she under
1: investigation rather right.
0: than why is somebody investigating? Right. Her? And instead, you know, they want to put the blame on everything else because that you know, it all comes back to money, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes back to the Clinton Foundation. It comes back to this powerful family that that's been involved in politics for su- such a long period of time. That you don't just want to start blaming them. You you deflect, and that's yeah. what they're doing. They're deflecting on everything else, trying mm-hmm. to oh, it's media's fault. Oh, it's our polling fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's oh uh, you know it's it's this fault. We didn't
3: focus on this. You know, it's it's it, ridiculous. It, 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 it's 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 super disheartening, and I think that they need to figure out. What went wrong if they want to rectify it, you know, in 2020? And the other thing that I and this this really blows my mind and I I really don't have a lot of sympathy or understanding for this is this wussification of America. You have uh, you have children trapped inside of adult bodies, putting diaper pins on their clothing and and canceling midterms. Because they can't deal with the emotional trauma of Donald Trump so winning. you have cryons? So first cry-ins. off, the, So first off, I I think
0: the I've heard two different messages on the whole safety pin thing. And, and if you guys haven't heard, uh, basically people are putting just a, a basic generic safety pin on, on you know on their shoulder up on their body, mm-hmm. so it kind of puts out a, a visual to somebody walking down the street or in public to know. Mm-hmm that hey if you, you feel challenged or you feel scared or whatever that you know that person's there for you essentially. But I, I, I thought that was for anybody, not just Democrats or Republicans or whatever, where, you know, if you if you feel like you have no place to go that someone's there for you. That's what I thought that was for.
3: But I as, thought it was to hold up diapers.
0: Oh well that too. <laughs> but the whole colleges thing and and bringing in you know counselors and stuff Cry-ins. they had cry-ins. yeah i heard about that i look at this in two different ways that yeah on its surface seems you know crazy right like oh my god you're you're that emotionally invested and some people are however i look at it from the other way too what i just said a lot of these kids you know they grew up in a democratic our uh, democrat controlled, uh, you know, presidency, right, mm-hmm. for the most part, especially in their adult lives. And then for the first time, a Republican is going to take over. You know, maybe they don't emotionally know how to work with those and then feelings. And their parents <laughs> failed them miserably. Exactly, exactly. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not here to get in a fight about, you know, how parents should raise their kids. Yeah. But that being better said... Better than that. Yeah, better than that. So, you know, obviously, I think some people do need counseling to know how to live in this world where... Not everything's going to go your way. And uh, guess what? You know, this is where we need to try to work together and not try to be uh, and and not push an agenda, but just, you know, be flexible and compromise and and listen to each other's ideas. If that counseling is going that way, I'm for it, because maybe it'll it'll knock some sense into people to realize that it's not all roses. Let me show you this clip. The shock of Trump's
3: election so so
1: overwhelmed some people they've been taking psychological help the u.s election was too stressful for many
3: so they're calling this post trump stress disorder see and
0: you know what that bugs can you pause it for a minute Mm -hmm. that bugs because there are there are genuine people who have seen combat yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That I've that been overseas, watched their friends die, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and they have suffered some emotional distress, mm-hmm. PTSD, or somebody who had a, a emotionally charged ha- thing happen in their childhood, right? To twist the acronyms, yeah, to 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 right. make it a, a thing against Trump, and to kind of categorize what they're feeling, you know, f that, exactly. That really pisses yeah. me yeah. And off. And you're,
3: you're you're you are what you need to touch on something too. What you were doing is you were taking people that struggle with a very real. Uh, mental illness that has very serious and profound effects, up to and including suicide. Yeah, and you are marginalizing that by saying, "Wow, my candidate didn't." Oh win. yeah, you must have PTSD. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. you know it's like no, it is. It, it, it's it's no. really disrespectful. Yeah. So here's where some people are coping with their post-Trump stress disorder: cry-ins. Yeah. They have scheduled cry-ins, so you can you can sit around and cry. about about the fact that that you're
0: Uh, now now counseling i'm okay with yeah counseling's i'm okay with because maybe these kids or young adults Mm -hmm. don't have the skill because it was never you know they, they never had to deal with it you know um I was listening. uh, I listened to a lot of talk radio, and I listened to all different sides. and and One talk radio guy was talking about his three daughters, Mm. and uh, they're athletes. And when they would win trophies, they would only keep the championship trophies, not keep the uh, participation participation trophies. Everyone gets a participation trophy just for trying, just for for being out there, right? Because you know you shouldn't get anything if you don't win, right? You know, so but a lot of kids, he says, you know, they've never been told no. Yeah, you know, They th- they don't this,
3: know what a loss and, feels like. And this is what happens: is you wind up with these. Everyone got a trophy. Uh, free hug. Well, it, it, nothing it, wrong okay. with that, if no, especially if she's hot.
0: You know, exactly. I'm, I'm okay exactly. with that. Yeah,
3: free. I mean, if that somehow makes you feel better. But here is the here is my oh, yeah, and <laughs> they get therapy dogs because, eh. yeah. oh my god! But the way but the, you know the
0: way people are are spinning this is oh ha ha they need counseling right. I, I'm a big proponent of mental health sure and, and there's a lot of people out there especially these millennials who who don't have that that skill yet of really coping with something that didn't go their way right uh maybe hopefully it will help them but Chances are it's just going to be somebody just reassuring them. Hopefully not, but that's usually how it
3: happens. So Ed Schultz, is, and I don't particularly care for Ed Schultz, to be honest with you, but I thought he was spot on here.
1: Violent anti-Trump protests across the nation, although many people have found more peaceful ways to cope with their disappointment. Some school districts and universities are offering counseling services to students who feel marginalized by Trump's rhetoric. Students at Cornell University stage a cry-in. The University of Kansas reminded students therapy dogs are available. A small elementary and middle school in Brooklyn <laughs> held a community speak-out. can kind of
3: see it for th- the, the elementary th- schools. You know,
0: but. this is this is where the colleges and all these other places that mm-hmm. you know they, they they lost a chance to to be proactive and get on the forefront and say, hey, look you know we realize a number of our students and student body you know they never had to deal with something like this before right. you know we're just going to show them a different point of view yeah. and show give them some skills of how to
3: cope with it but Here, instead people are turning into a laughing stock you know and here's another uh here's another point of view for you to to consider have we gone to a point where if the person who is elected president of the United States affects your life that drastically and that implicitly Do we have we not put too much power in in the executive branch (laughs) like (laughs) voting a president should not have that much of a profound effect. If you're afraid that the because somebody different is president, you're not going to be able to stay married to, to your significant other. Maybe that's a sign that we shouldn't be looking to the federal government to define marriage for us. If you're looking to the president to say to say well this new president is in and so now you know these rights that i had yesterday are no longer going to be there okay. maybe that's a sign we should stop letting the federal government I, I, decide that stuff
0: sometimes i feel like we could all use a, a refresh of civics and have yeah. a lesson actual civics an actual, actual civics, civics lesson yes, exactly and, and how the government structure works i mean a lot of people don't realize that when you if you were an immigrant And you want to become a president of the United States of America. Mm -hmm. You have to know how the process works. Right. You actually have to explain it during your citizenship test. Mm -hmm. You know, what are the three branches of government? Mm -hmm. I think some of these people that are protesting and, you know, probably couldn't say that. No. (laughs) But but it's one of those things where people kind of need to know how the whole process works. And and don't forget about Congress. And don't forget about your state governments. Mm -hmm. And and see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know... It makes me very disappointed to see my government leaders and where I live saying, you know, we're going to thumb our nose at this administration. You know, they haven't even taken office yet. You yeah, know, exactly. It's, it's like, you know, stop being political for a moment and, and just look at us as a whole. Yeah. He said some terrible
3: things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done some terrible things. Sure. But he won. Yeah. He won. And And at the end of the day, he's in control of an airplane that we are all passengers on. So it would behoove us all. Right. To to make sure that plane is headed somewhere fruitful. Now, I want to go back to what you were saying about understanding how the government works. The government is defined the federal government, anyway, is defined by the Constitution, the participations of the states then enter into a contract with one another. And I want to draw everyone's attention to specifically Article two that talks about uh, executive authority. Right. Right. Now, for the past eight years, Obama has been passing uh, executive actions and has largely been not stopped by a Republican uh, led both uh, House and Senate. Right. And here's Obama on, on the DACA. Deferred action program that we have known as DACA that relates to
4: dreamers who are currently benefiting from uh, these provisions. Uh, I will urge uh,
2: the president elect and the incoming administration uh, to uh, think long and hard before they are um,
3: endangering the status of what, uh, for all practical purposes, are American kids. Now, here's the thing: I didn't agree with executive action when Obama did it. If you don't know what DACA is, basically, he, with the stroke of his pen, decided yeah, he was going executive executive order. Yeah, was going to unilaterally put into place law, which entirely bypasses. The, now, to be fair, it wasn't really law; he
0: was suppressing some mm-hmm. of the enforcements right. of law. So, and then there's a big distinction there. So, sure. I, I he was, sure. a lot of people sure. think, "Oh, he's just creating things left and right." No, he's really just suppressing this or saying, "You know, we're we're going to take this away." But yeah, he can't just say he's going to ch- make a change; he's actually right. just suppressing.
3: And so, and so, when he goes through and writes all of these, you know, executive actions, right? You don't find that power in Article two. It doesn't exist. And so I, I, I am I was I was I don't think it's constitutional when Obama did these things. And I don't think it'll be constitutional if Donald Trump does these things. But my question to the Democrats out there is now that Donald Trump has the pen and the phone, do you still agree that these things were constitutional? And if you. And if you do agree, then are you going to be OK when Donald Trump sits down? The first thing he does in office is undo a lot of the things that Obama did.
0: Right. And and, and honestly, uh, a lot of presidents have done that in the past, too, where, right. you know, and it's not just a. Uh, and I a disagreed Trump, with him, too. Yeah. No, obviously, you know, there there is a reason why that, you know, trigger is in place for an executive action. Mm. You know, our government was designed by our founders and our framers uh, to be intentional when it comes to gridlock. I mean, right. it, it is set up for, yeah. for a gridlock process. And gridlock is a good thing. Because it is to force people to compromise and come together and, and make it happen. And, and slow, slow down. And slow down. Slow down, yeah. The American government was has never been designed to be fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, just look at everything that we do. Um, two years of campaigning, if you mm-hmm. will. So, yeah, I. the thing is, though, I, I agree with the president is, you know, hopefully Trump looks at it and says, all right, I want to rescind this order, but instead of rescinding this order just blatantly and just putting people out the pasture, maybe he can you know talk to his colleagues and say, "Hey, look, I actually like this idea." Maybe mm-hmm. he can't say it publicly because it's sure. a political thing, but he's like, you know these these kids, yeah they they were they were brought here when they were babies. Mm-hmm. It's not their fault, but sure. they're here now. We got to do something for them. Mm-hmm. Let's come to a solution that's that's fair. Right. But let's know? start that bill in the
3: House of Representatives. Right. Yeah. Start it, pass it as it a to normal. the Senate. Exactly. And then let's have the president pass it. And, and, and that's then, how then he just, pulls it. You yeah. Know? Exactly. Yeah. That's
0: I, I'd love to see that.
3: Yeah. And that's really what what should be happening. And, you know, I think i I'd be I'm not going to pull punches. I hope that Donald Trump lubes the throats up of Democrats and rams his agenda down just like Obama did. I mean, I, I don't know any clear way to say that, but I, I, I hope that
0: we get something different than that, because <laughs> I think we've seen that from every president and, mm-hmm. you know, that of a of a switching of a power, you mm-hmm. know, from Republican, the Democrat and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I really hope he gets in there and like he's, you know, his his quote of draining the swamp. Yeah. Now, Obama did say that, you know, eight years ago, hope and change. You know, he's on like the whole lobbyist thing. I really hope that we get something refreshing out of this, not just sound bites and scandal and like oh you know and fear. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping for. Sure, look at me, hope and change. But that's what I'm hoping <laughs> for. You know, I'm an, I'm an optimist, and I'm and and I'm hoping that this is a big wake up call uh, to people out there to say, you know, what? hey, a your vote matters. Yeah, because obviously, a lot of people. You look at all the red st- all the states that voted for Trump. But not only that, but you know what? It's time to get engaged. And instead of protesting, you know, contact your, your the person who represents your district, your mayor, you know, get yeah, or involved. Or your state senator, yeah. You know, and it's one of those things where instead of complaining and starting a, a Facebook group or complaining to your friends, take action. Yeah. You know, Do and, something and, it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be big. You know, it doesn't have to be huge. But, you know, if, if it really bothers you that much, get involved instead of just complaining to complain.
3: Well said. Yeah. So I uh, here is Donald Trump uh, talking about uh, going into his first 100 days in office.
1: President-elect Trump. Well, he's already laying out some of his plans for his first 100 days in office. You know, he did a lot of that while he was campaigning. Mr. Trump said he would reopen NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, withdraw consideration of TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, approve the Keystone Pipeline, cancel the United Nations climate change payments, and study how quickly to build that border wall. It seems like a lot on his plate, but let's take a look at these campaign promises. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait.
0: There's something missing from this list.
3: Obamacare? Yeah, where were sense? So it? here is the. I thought that was his day one. And here's the thing with Obamacare, he needs to on day one be very, very direct and intentional about what he's going to do or undo, or the Democrats will smell weakness. Yeah. And he the the, the problem is that Democrats fight whether they are the majority or the minority. 2000, uh, 2008, we 2008, they go, well, oh, we don't have the House or the Senate. We can't do anything. And then 2012, we give them the House and the Senate, and they go, well, we have the House and the Senate, but we don't have the presidency. We can't do anything. So now they have the House, the Senate, and the presidency. Yeah, they got the trifecta for at least two years. Let's see if they can actually get something done. But they need to move quickly and decisively. They cannot sit around. It, I, I would like to see him gut completely... Obamacare, And he's made comments now. Really? Yeah.
0: Even the pre-existing condition and everything?
3: Yeah. He's, he's come out and said that he wants to keep the pre-existing condition. The, the problem with keeping the pre-existing condition is, so you can't, from a mathematical standpoint, you cannot keep the pre-existing condition without keeping the individual mandate. Because, it, think about this, saying that I I am going to have an insurance company that has to take me, no matter what my condition is, is kind of like me... Buying a brand new Maserati, totaling it, driving into, or, well, walking into State Farm and saying, I need full coverage, guys. And, oh, by the way, I can't be denied because I have a pre-existing totaled, you know, you're, you're going to have to cover that car, right? right? That's not insurance. That's me wanting to pay $500 to not pay 100000 so the way to enforce that was the individual mandate. Everyone is going to be forced to buy insurance, thereby ensuring that, you, you know, you can't be denied for pre-existing condition, but everyone would be paying into the system. I I don't understand mathematically how it's even possible to keep the pre-existing condition force insurance companies to take you, but not require the individual mandate. Right. So I, if I were him, I I would I would I would pull out completely, I just dumped the whole system, and I would allow people to compete across state lines and turn it into like LASIK surgery, right, where, every, where just everyone competes for that bottom dollar. But whatever he does, I really think that that he needs to, to, to work decisively. And the thing is, a lot of Democrats are saying they want to work with him. A lot of people are saying, well, the Democrats want to work with, with you. I want to read you a letter from, this is from, I believe, Elizabeth Warren, Oh, Elizabeth. did you see this? Uh, I've heard of what she said. Yeah. yeah, this is from Elizabeth Warren. So Elizabeth Warren, I won't read the whole thing. It's very long. But she says the conclusion is you made numerous promises to the American people in the election campaign. None were bigger than your promise to train the swamp of Washington, D.C. Special interests rigged against the middle class. It's no secret that we fundamentally disagree on a number of issues of critical importance to the future of this nation. Issues I will never stop fighting and will never compromise on. But members of my party, just like members of you, are fed up. Seventy two percent of voters, both Democrats and Republican, believe that it's the American economy is rigged to the advantage of the rich and powerful. Americans are angry about a federal government that works for the rich and leaves everyone else in the dirt. As I said last week, when your goal is to increase the economic security of the middle class and families, then count me in. I will put aside our differences and I will work with you to accomplish that goal. But then she says let me be clear should you refuse I will oppose you every step of the way for the next 4 years I will champion I will champion millions of Americans uh, the, uh, Americans, you will fail to protect. I will track your every move. I will remind <laughs> Americans every day of the actions that you take that fail them. And I will not be the only one watching the millions of Americans who voted for you. And right. the milk of will be watching you. And then she says, should you have any questions of the type of advisors that you could choose who would more adequately represent the needs of the American people? Please do not hesitate to contact my office and I'll be happy to provide you with a list of qualified advisors. Yeah. I mean, did I just read that? Yeah. Yeah. You. So basically, if I'm if if I'm if I'm if I'm condensing that down, it's I will tell you who your advisors will be. And if I don't agree with them, then I will fight you for the next four years.
0: Well, I think it's more than that. I mean, obviously, it comes down to the things that get passed. Mm -hmm. And and like I said, it's these two years. I, I think that's the critical thing, because Republicans have a chance right now that they have a president in office or a president-elect, and they have both houses of Congress. They now have a chance and opportunity to pass law, right? Uh But at the same time, they're looking at two years down the road at the midterms. And they realize that if they piss off a whole bunch of people or do something extremely extreme, (laughs) they're not going to have that. And it could turn into a situation where, you don't have Republican sides of uh, both mm. sides of Congress. So I think it's going to be a very interesting two years because it's not going to be a simple rubber stamp of everything because if you do that, you're going to piss off a whole bunch of people that will definitely rally the base. Mm. Elizabeth Warren has already kind of put that shot across the bow and say, hey, look, right. we're going to keep an eye on this. And if you don't you know, be considerate of the uh, of the other side here, It's going to suck. And I think that's what she's kind of pushing that warning out there ahead of time. I think a lot of people are just jumping the gun on this. And we need to see what happens over the next two years and really what's going to happen over the next couple of months as we transition into the next 45th president.
3: I'm really hopeful. And I think that that kind of mentality of being willing to work with the other guy uh, is hopefully... Maybe something we didn't see in the uh, presidential primary, or even the general election, but hopefully that'll be something, a staple of the Donald Trump presidency. So Donald J. Trump, the president-elect of the United States. Yeah, that's so
0: weird, but it's so true that the 45th president... Hey, Noah, I know that you do this Linux action show on Sunday, but... In case people want to follow you, the people, the Unfilter audience want to kind of pick your brain on Twitter,
3: where people uh, can go to? At Kernelinux on Twitter. And, of course, you can watch Linux Action Show Sunday mornings at noon Pacific. Noon Pacific. So, yeah,
0: get up, don't sleep in, and exactly. watch the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. And, and by the way, check out our Unfilter Reddit community at unfiltered.reddit.com, where people submit their stories, they submit their ideas. And boy, it kind of flew off this past week. I wonder why. Maybe there was an election or something like that. Chase, thanks so much
3: for letting me be here with you. I really appreciate oh, it. Oh man,
0: this has been a been a great time. A lot of free exchange of ideas where, you know, we may have differing opinions about it, but at the end of the day, I will fist bump you, not shake your hand, because I don't want to get your virus.
1: I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> we do the show
0: on Jupiter Broadcasting every single Wednesday. The things uh, get kicked off a little early with Chris and the overtime. About four four o'clock Pacific time and then we keep the troll of the truck running all night until now until the end of the show so that's it you guys thanks so much for joining us this week on unfilter and we'll see you right back here next you got to say this with me Noah: next
4: week. week